I was saying I always watch the Olympics with a mixture of joy and dread. Joy to watch athletes do unbelievable things. Dread when you see them fail. It's always so hard to see someone, especially at the Olympics, they only get to compete once every four years, perhaps. They've trained all their lives for this. They're often quite young. And you think, oh, that must be devastating if you see a figure skater fall or some skier fall. I was obviously thinking of Michaela Schiffer, the American skier, who really was a big hope for medals, had a terrible first uh, few races or first few runs uh, back earlier in the week and was then interviewed right away about what she was feeling. You couldn't help but feel awful for her. I was thinking a bit about what kind of pressure Olympic athletes particularly must be under, and wanted to take that question to someone who could answer. Dr. Jamie Houle is the lead sports psychologist with the Ohio State University Athletics Department and assistant professor at the Jameson Crane Medical Institute and a former All-American gymnast himself, and he joins me from Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks for your time. Thank you for having me. I have to admit, I always watch the Olympics, honestly, with a mixture of sort of joy and agony. Part of it, seeing people perform so well. The agony is seeing people that are trained so hard for that moment fall or stumble. And I was wondering just how much pressure is there on Olympic athletes and how is it different in any way from, from the normal pressure that athletes are under? Yeah. I mean, uh, being a former um, uh, gymnast, uh, being an Olympic sport, you know, I, I'm biased towards the Olympics because, you know, it doesn't happen every year. It happens once every four years. Um, and, and getting to the Olympics is extremely difficult. Uh, and then once you're there, you, you're representing not just yourself uh, or a team, but like your country. Um, so I, I think there's just many levels to the pressure. And uh, a lot of these athletes um, you know, not, not figuratively speaking, have, have trained basically their whole life, uh, for this one event. Um, and the truth is, is that because it's every four years, this might be their only chance considering where they are in their career. So, uh, the, the stakes are high for sure. How does that manifest itself? I mean, I'm sure you watch sports probably differently than a lot of us watch sports, but how does it manifest itself during an event? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, my, my, my coach growing up was an Olympic gold medalist. And one of the things he told me is he, he raised his hand to salute at the Olympics and he couldn't feel his hands. Um, and, you know, it, it, he just described it as unbelievable level of emotion and, and um, pressure. So I think that part is very unique. Uh, some of my other colleagues that go uh, work with Olympic sports and go to the Olympics often help their athletes prepare by trying to have them get ready for one of the most emotional experiences of their life. That is that they'll walk into the Olympic village and they'll be inundated with emotion. And so I think it's, it's, it's a unique type of uh, overwhelmed feeling. Um, and it'd be easy to become ungrounded from like what, you know, you do every day. Because as a former NCAA champion, as you were, I gather, uh, with OSU, um, and someone who understands that, you know, how to do what you're meant to do. And really the only thing standing in your way is, is mental at some point. Is is that, Mm -hmm. is that an, an accurate assessment? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, we, we think, especially for these Olympic athletes too, the, the sheer amount of repetition that they've undergone to get to that level, it's, it's very high. And, and we start to get involved in things like muscle memory. So, you know, they could close their eyes and do these things. 
Um, but, but their eyes aren't closed and they're seeing their flags and they're seeing their teammates and they're seeing their family in some circumstances where they're fans. Um, and it, it just, it brings it to another level. Um, and it can be easy to kind of forget, if you will, how to do these things. What is it like for team athletes versus individual athletes? Sorry, athletes. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna. I, I was about to clarify, but I think I think you understood the question. You understood what I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the 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 team athletes. There, you know, there's some shared sense of pressure. Like we together, like a hockey team, we together are out here doing this, working together, as opposed to say, uh, like a aerial uh, ski jumper. It's just them out there with the jump. Um, so that can, that can, that can manifest as maybe slightly more pressure for the individual athlete, but it, it always depends on the individual person, but the individual sport athlete, you know, it is literally just them and the, uh, the event. I was thinking about this too, the pressures now with social media, you know, one of the things about social media is you can kind of gloss over things. You can present things in their best light, but watching someone, and I was thinking this specifically, specifically of the Chinese figure skater, Julie, who was competing for China, but is American. Um, she fell and just how vulnerable you are when you're competing by yourself at Olympics on a stage, there's no glossing that over whatever happens, happens. And it must be, you know, it must be tough. And then the backlash afterwards on social media, how much of an impact has that had? Well, I mean, you, you can't, um, I guess you could get away from it if you never looked at social media ever, but you would still look at TV or, or something, the internet or whatever, and you'd see stories about yourself. I mean, they are tremendously vulnerable. And, and oftentimes it's, it's, it's hard to remember that they're people and, and, and that they're, they're just like us in that they have emotion. Like they are, they were a kid once too, or some of them are still children, um, you know, and that, that our opinion sitting on our couch, um, it, we don't know all the facts. We don't, we don't know everything that's going on. And so, you know, it's not our place to judge. However, I think sometimes folks feel entitled to judge. That's a good point because, you know, uh, and I was going to talk about this in a bit, just about how we're talking more now about athletes and athletes are pushing back a bit on this idea that they are simply athletes and must be expected to perform at the highest level or else. Uh, But I want to ask you first about what kind of advice are athletes given psychologically going into those events to try to allow them to have the best outcome possible? Yeah. um, So I'm a big fan of mindfulness. So mindfulness, just being your ability to pay attention to the present moment on purpose without judgment. And uh, I think a lot of, a lot of athletes sometimes struggle, especially, well, not just athletes, but with the lack of judgment part. Um, But we talk a lot with our athletes about trying to be present, trying to just be where they are. Don't be mindful, be aware of if your, your thoughts drift to the future or the past and just, it's like a muscle, just come back to the present moment. And when, when athletes are in the present moment, just thinking about what they're doing at that moment, that's very associated with what's called flow or, you know, people saying they're in the zone. They're not often thinking about the future or the past. They're just, totally immersed in what they're doing. And so as a sports psychologist, we work with athletes to get into that headspace. And I imagine that sometimes when you see, and I'm back to the same figure skater, 
when something goes wrong early, it's very hard to put yourself back in the moment. Well, it is, right? You're thinking about how you fell. You're thinking about feeling disappointed. Uh, maybe you're even, if you fall, there's an injury component to it that, you know, like it hurts literally and figuratively. Um, so, you know, it's about trying to not ignore what just happened, but um, trying to acknowledge that that happened. And then what's next? You know, we, we work with a lot of the athletes about when a mistake happens because mistakes will happen. How do you return to your plan, your game plan for that competition? And successful athletes, often Olympic medalists, when they have that mistake, they return to their plan, their game plan. Folks that don't medal, uh, it, it's been found, uh, they go into question mode. So they're asking themselves questions like, why did that just happen? Or what are people going to think? Or, you know, at the very worst, it's like, do I even deserve to be here? You know, um, and that, that can really derail folks. I'm back with Dr. Jamie Houle, lead sports psychologist with the Ohio State University Department of Athletics, assistant professor at the Jameson Crane Medical Institute, uh, and former All-American gymnast. We're talking about the pressure that athletes face, specifically Olympic athletes, given many of them have trained for most of their lives for these events, and often they only get one shot. It only happens every four years. One of the things I was curious about, and a lot of the reason that your name came up was, I think, during what with Simone Biles at the Tokyo games, there was really a lot of attention paid to the impact of mental health on individual athletes at the Olympics. And I'm wondering if what that episode, what you felt the result was of that and what the lasting effect of, of Simone Biles' um, presence at the Tokyo games was. You know, um, well, first of all, it was tremendously brave in my opinion. And, and because they were going to have, there was going to be uh, people with strong opinions uh, and that, you know, that's not avoidable. Uh, but the, the impact is that she put on the forefront something that uh, we as psychologists, mental health providers believe very, very firmly is that mental health is just as important as physical health. And that they're often combined. And in her case, for example, uh, her mental health could have very severely affected her physical health if she had gotten lost in the air uh, and, and become injured. Um, so I, I think she really, uh, she, the whole world was watching and she prioritized her mental health. And it was a huge advocacy moment for uh, folks that experience similar difficulties and how it's just as important as physical health. And we've seen other athletes in other sports. I'm thinking Meme Asaka in, in hockey, the Canadians, Jonathan Drouin. There's been some different ones. We're seeing more people step out and talk about this stuff, I feel, than we used to. Uh, that must be important for people in your position that advocate for this. Yeah, because their their platform is so massive. And and the idea being, you know, if Simone Biles can come out and say this or, or the other folks that have come out, come forward and said this, you know, maybe it's okay if I do too, because I'm experiencing similar things. The idea is potentially there, there is more mental health concerns um, arising these days, but also potentially more people are just talking about what's already existed. So I, I think that they just have opened the door and said, hey, hey, it's okay. Like, it's okay. We can talk about this. I mean, the Olympic motto, you know, higher, faster, stronger. Are we, are we looking at adding maybe a fourth that's or the higher, faster, stronger, healthier uh, notion of it that maybe athletes 
uh, are demanding now that we see them as more than just sort of, you know, machines about to perform what they've been training to do? I mean, that's my hope. My hope is that we're able to see these folks as, I think if we were to see them more as humans, we would probably be even more enamored with what they do. Is that, that there aren't these, you know, figments of our imagination that are so unreal that they're humans too. I mean, of course their talent is unbelievable, but they still have to sleep every night. Uh, they still have to get enough food to fuel their body. You know, they still get nervous. Uh, they still get angry or happy or sad. Um, so I, I think it could really like, um, it could humanize uh, th- these unbelievable pillars of, of strength. Are you seeing a difference in coaching too? I mean, we, we think back to the, you know, when, even when I was growing up, coaching was pretty much a, uh, you know, pretty much a yelling, you know, coaching was a yelling exercise not always, but it was pretty stern. There weren't too many pats on the back or at least not often, unless you did well. Uh, are you seeing that change as well? I think so. Um, you know, I think we're, we're starting to recognize and, 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 and see that, uh, punishment doesn't go nearly as far as positive reinforcement and, and, and we can change behavior and have it last longer with positive reinforcement than with punishment. And, um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm not saying that everybody has to win a medal. I'm not saying that all you have to do is talk about like awesome things all the time. Of course, there is discipline and hard feedback that needs to be received. However, it doesn't have to be personalized. It doesn't have to say you are a lazy person. It could say you need to do more of this skill or that skill if you want to accomplish your goals. It doesn't have to be uh, personalized to like a character logical flaw. And I, I think we're starting to see an evolution in that, uh, of just more of the positive coaching. I'm speaking with Dr. Jamie Houle, the lead sports psychologist with Ohio State University Athletics. We're talking about pressure, specifically on Olympic athletes, but on athletes in general, mental health, and also about how more and more athletes are speaking out about taking care of their own mental health, prioritizing their own mental health. I mean, it's difficult for fans who, who are so invested sometimes in these athletes or these teams to, to hold their emotions in check when things go wrong. What advice do you give to, to people watching about, about, you know, that, that instant moment of anger firing off that angry tweet when, some, when your field goal kicker misses a game winning field goal? Um, what advice do you have for the rest of us? Uh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't put myself outside of that. Just, <laughs> I know I still have moments like that myself. Yeah. Um, but you know, somebody once said this to me and I, I really, I really loved it, which is, you know, um, if you're looking to be more mindful, uh, in your life, just slow down. So if, if, if you have an immediate reaction to somebody missing a kick or falling on the slopes or something before firing off the tweet, um, take a second, take, take, take one second and think through what you're about to send. And what we know is that when we slow down, we actually engage our left prefrontal cortex more, which is, enjoy, which is involved in higher order thinking. When we uh, fire something off very uh, reaction 
from a reactionary place, we're going from our emotional part of our brain, the amygdala. So if we slow down and slow our breathing down, we'll, we'll be able to be a little more intentional and conscious about what we're doing. So, so that would be my one piece of advice. Put down the controller, put down your phone, uh, take a walk, walk around your house once and then, and then do whatever you need to do. How's your dog doing there, Jamie? Is he okay? <laughs> Is she okay? I'm so sorry. He's no, he's don't be sorry at all. No, I'm sure he wants to go out. In that case, I will ask one quick and only one quick last question. I'll get get outside. Um, when you watch the Olympics, what's your what's your favorite? What do you cheer for, and what are you watching for? Do you watch for these athletes and see how they perform, or do you just watch them as a casual fan? I, I you know, well, obviously, I'm close to gymnastics, so I'm, I'm watching the gymnastics and I'm watching like how they're doing it and, and, and their thought process. But I'm also, as a sports psychologist, I'm always curious to see if I can tell if they see a sports psychologist or not in that there are often sometimes some sports psychology techniques that you can see um, that athletes are engaging in that, that always makes me smile, fills my heart up. Um, You know, I saw an athlete, uh, um, uh, gymnast one day, she, she saluted and walked up to the bars and put her hand on her stomach. And right when she did that, I thought, she's doing diaphragmatic breathing. She's the sports psychologist helped her learn how to control her breathing. And, and that's the kind of things I, I love to see. So I, that's, that's something that's definitely in my brain when I'm watching the Olympics. I should have to ask you what your dog's name is. Oh, this is Coco. Coco he's, right. he's named after the movie Coco because awesome. we watched that about a thousand times during the pandemic uh, <laughs> when we were in quarantine with my kids and we decided to name our dog that. Awesome. Well, I'll let Coco wants to go out and I'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Jamie. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Jeff.